Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Friday edition is here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Bobby Carpenter will be with us. That's in an hour and a half. Looking forward to talking college football with Outkick's college football insider. Bobby Carpenter joins us today at 320, 420 Eastern. And then we will have Brent Hubbs and Austin Price of VolQuest.com. A lot to discuss on Rocky Top. That's at 5 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Central, right here across the Outkick Network. A lot to discuss in between all of that. Big NFL slate, a lot to discuss with the uh, college coaching news, with Brent Venables, some of the assistants that he has hired. Tony Elliott is actually taking a job and not staying as coordinator of the offense for Clemson. We'll get into all that and more. Guys, good afternoon. Good afternoon. There's a palpable buzz here at 6th and Peabody, the old smoke in Yeehaw, on this Friday afternoon. Excited to get rolling. So excited, too, that uh, you know Bruce Pearl got a, a big two-game suspension for all this FBI investigation and everything else. Two-game suspension after getting a three-year show cause not that long ago for a barbecue at Tennessee. Boy, the justices never cease to amaze being handed down from the NCAA. Isn't that incredible? Tennessee lost their head coach because of a barbecue and an FBI investigation into pay-for-play with agents <laughs> leads to a two-game suspension. Well, Low this many years later. Also concluded in a relative short order compared to the timetable of other investigations that have cl- included the feds around the country. So the timetables, I, I hate when people you know, are like, what are the criteria and everything has to be the same, right? I used to have this fight with Frank Wycheck when, when we were on the same station with him where he, he couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that there was no like straight-out criteria for a pro football Hall of Famer, and that then it wasn't just simply a checkmark, like there needed to be no selection panel because you just had to meet these benchmarks and you'd be a Hall of Famer. But for this, I think there should be some like general criteria, on timetables at least. Okay, we're investigating a basketball program for something in these parameters. That should be concluded within... 12 months or 18 months or whatever. Yeah. Let me also... Whereas this one's concluded in six months and this one's concluded in five years. As there's a lot of headlines to get to in this first segment. So let's jump from headline to headline. I'd also like to congratulate Tony Elliott for making a decision (laughs) that he actually wants to be a head coach and deciding to take the job at Virginia after turning down Tennessee a year ago, turning down other head coaching opportunities a year ago. He's decided now the time is right. And I applaud him for making that decision advancing his career, moving it forward. I would also like to point out that it's also the smart decision given the rap you're eventually going to get for turning down head coaching jobs and the fact Clemson sucked on offense this year. 
And if that continues for another year, you're not getting offered the Virginia job or the Duke job or any of these other jobs. So he got out while the timing was right. My friend John Glenn and our friend of our, our show and, and everyone in the media here in Nashville is a Virginia alum. So he was touting this and being happy about this out at Titans earlier today. I said, dude, you can't feel good about a guy that needed to go home and ponder it. You need a guy that's absolutely like, yeah, if you offer me this job, I am taking this job. I don't like the idea for any program of a guy that's got to go home, talk to his agent, talk to his wife, and slow play it. I want the job to be hot enough that, you know what, Tony, if you need to consider it that much, I'm going to go to this other guy because he's dying for this job, and he's going to say yes right now. This is a, this is a pivot point for, for Dabo Sweeney now at Clemson. Uh, I think in the bigger picture, uh, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, their defensive assistant is headed to Oklahoma to be the defensive coordinator with Venables, uh, Ted Roof. Uh, who locally was uh, with Vanderbilt, but he's been a lot of places. He connects to a lot of different universities and coaches. He's a former head coach at Duke. Yeah, yes. And he was, the, he was with Venables this past year as a defensive assistant at Clemson. So he's going to Oklahoma. Uh, Jeff Levy, by the way, uh, officially announced by Oklahoma as the offensive co- uh, coordinator with Venables as the head coach. But uh, beyond that, new, new AD will be coming into Clemson. And for the first time in a while, they're actually having decommitments. Venables... Is it? It's not official yet, but they've only had six decommitments since 2015 at Clemson. Like when you commit, you're in, and if you take an official visit to Clemson and you don't, you go somewhere else. They they treat that like you're turning your back on the program. It's it's bizarre, uh, but it's worked for Clemson. They've had six decommitments to since 2015. There have been three top 100 players in the secondary that have decommitted from Clemson. Now, and these are three of the six that have decommitted since 2015. And, and it is, sounds like they're going to Oklahoma with Venables. And this is after a quote-unquote down year in which they won, what, 10 games or nine? Uh, nine. Yeah. Some down it's, year. It's, well, also, it's also setting up perfectly for Dabo Sweeney to go home in a few years when Nick Saban retires. We go right back to his alma mater in Alabama. And the thing about Alabama going from Nick Saban to Dabo Sweeney when things start to head a little bit south at Clemson. I don't know that they're going to head south at Clemson, but you're they right, Hutton. This is the, the proving point now. Not that he hasn't proven a lot already, but this is a big challenge for Dabo Sweeney, who's had unparalleled consistency with his staff at Clemson for a national power that doesn't have a lot of guys getting poached away to other jobs. It's a big moment for him and his tenure at Clemson. I pray for them to go downhill. I'd like all these top programs to go a little bit downhill, but we talked about it yesterday to, to bring, give you opportunity. Imagine, you imagine for, Paul taking a knee prior to taking, he's on both knees at his bedside yeah. each night, praying that Simon, each good night prayer. I'm going to, I'm going to tack that on to the end. And Lord, just an addendum. God, uh, as I say goodnight for a final college, time, I also would like to, uh, to sink. I'd also Clemson, like to give my, my prayer for the demise of Alabama, Clemson, <laughs> Georgia, Ohio state, Oklahoma, <laughs> any other program that's had Cincinnati. incredible Sustained success. success. Cincinnati's, Cincinnati's okay, Lord. Cincinnati's getting a little too full of themselves now. I pray for their demise no, also. No, I'm okay Anyone that's had a lot of success, I pray for their demise. So that others Amen. may rise up. Amen. <laughs> Good prayer. <laughs> so that Georgia may rise. Yes. Will Alabama please fall? Uh, this Lord, I, I pray. I think it's fitting. I think it's fitting. From I Paul. think we should all 
join in that prayer. Oh, uh, I've but, had some good prayers on the air in the past. I've forgotten oh, about uh, those. Great prayer. Great prayer. <laughs> uh, coming up, we will also preview uh, Titans and Jags and the entire slate of games across NFL Week coach 14. coaching tantrum today will touch Oh, on. yeah. Vrabel storming off. Uh, Paul was there firsthand. We've, uh, I think the presser lasted two or three minutes, maybe. Yeah, uh, under three minutes. In and out. Um, Somebody's a little tense. How, how about last night? The Jags will get you tense, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you're playing the way you do against that, the Texans and the, and the Jets. Exactly but I'm, right. I'm, I'm also being serious. These are the games that always make coaches more tense. When it's a big game, toss-up matchup, or you're the underdog, they tend to be a little bit more loose. Against the Patriots Go two weeks ago, any, had a lot of any level of sports that anyone out there has ever played, and you tell me, your high school baseball coach would get way more tense when you played the worst team in your district as opposed well, to playing a team you weren't supposed to Fisher, be. Fisher Everyone said right always here, gets tensed for those games. Fisher said he was, the, of that entire year in 2008, the game that worried him the most, just going into it, was that Detroit Thanksgiving game. He sat here and said that. And they went up there and, you know, boat raced them. As, it, as they should have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about the Vikings? The Vikings get up 29-0 over Pittsburgh and then nearly give it away, if not for, well... Chase Claypool, Claypool contributed with his first down. They still had a great pass uh, last night. Uh, uh, Roethlisberger put it on the money to Fryermuth uh, for what really would have been well potentially game-time play if they get the two-point conversion. was he great. He needs to hold combo. on to the ball, but the defender makes a really good play, getting his hand in and punching it out. Very dramatic finish. I have to say, I thought it was over, and we watched the episode of Man in the Arena. It and then I came back, over. and it was tight. So I'm like, I've timed the that Vikings up Vikings can't blow out anyone. Uh, I got home from uh, a holiday party, and it was 29. I saw them kick the field goal to go up 29 nothing. Went upstairs, started to watch a show, turned it off, and saw, in fact, I watched Hawkeye, which is a very good show on uh, Disney+. Plus. Turned it off and saw it's 36-28, and it was right as the punt went down at the two or three-yard line on the final drive. I'm thinking, boy, this is great. I'm turning in right, tuning in right for the best part. And also, how in the earth did this comeback happen with Pittsburgh? In that offense. And Chase Claypool, what in the hell is he doing? What in the hell is Chase Claypool doing? <laughs> the first doing? down, the first he down gets up signal. With the first down That's signal. not the worst part of it, though. Then he holds the ball up. Then a defender smartly really Swats knocks it, it out yeah. so that the, it can't be presented. The most important thing there is getting the ball to the so official as fast as you But can. he's giving a first down signal. So I didn't see that it On wasn't the first defender down, right? who did it. No, the defender knocks it out. The defender was? knocks yes. it out of his hand, which is a smart play. Because then they yes. have to scramble okay. to get it back to the. I thought left. it was his center coming over trying to get the ball from him quickly no, and no, rip it no, from him center, and they hit it. His center did come over and try to get the ball and but then a defender comes in away. and just knocks it, knocks it down the ground. It's a smart play. They're probably coached. To I do mean, that. the only way to play that if you're Claypool is run. to get down and hold on to the ball and run it to the official and set it down and get it ready to go again. You run it to a combat. You meet the official so, on the way to the then place he's where yelling it's being at his spotted. teammates. Yeah, he's in it. Afterward, he's sitting there screaming at his offensive line and someone else for yelling at him well, about he was, doing that. Was he not benched in the first quarter for for a penalty, and then they put him back in? He's a he's a good player, I'm but man, sure that was that. dumb. Um, and whenever he's on the field, twenty five percent of the routes that he runs on average, he's getting the football. Um, and, he's very you know, he's player. on the field for thirty snaps. So if he's getting nine, I mean, he's getting nine routes thrown his way. That that's a high percentage. For, for Claypool, and, and he's very good. But Ryan Clark said it best this morning. He's like, for, his, for all the physical tools that the guy possesses, and he's ahead of his age for the physical tools, 
the mental tools are not there. Guys and like it's, that it's holding a player are, like him back. Are undermest, underestimated consistently by draft nicks who tend to favor the measurables. Now, Claypool has measurables in terms of size, but he's not fast. And everybody looked at him, I remember, and they said, Well, he's oh, a tight guys, end. Yeah, he's tight endish, but he doesn't play tight end. He no. plays wide receiver, and he just outmuscles people. Outmuscling people is an undervalued characteristic. Blake Bettingfield, the former Titan scout who writes at my site, is talking about Julio Jones reemerging for the Titans this weekend. He said he's not going to outrun many people, but his physicality sets him apart, and he could be a big difference maker for the Titans against the Jags just on winning physically alone. Well, if you can win physically alone, that's a skill set outside of speed that doesn't get value put on it. But when you watch somebody like Claypool win... No doubt. But but it's when you see a team like, remember Carolina, when they had Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches and a whole bunch of guys who were all... You can't have a team of all big physical guys. You need a speed element. But Wait. if you mix in that big physical guy, A.J. Brown's a big physical guy. He is. Now he has some speed. But if he didn't have speed, A.J. Brown could still be a very good wide receiver yes. when he's healthy. Well, he cost his team an extra play. Yes, uh, at least five, five seconds. seconds. At, at least, least at least Four one play. Four to six seconds. And and Ben Roethlisberger put that thing on the money. I mean that was uh, that was a good defensive play also. Really good. That play. was the only place that ball could have fit in. Yes, and to he Friar let it go. The timing. And was I was good. sure he caught it. Uh, dude, I'm I watching that thing. And Harrison That's a Smith. Touchdown. Harrison, Harrison Smith, Smith is a fantastic. Came over player. the top and knocked it loose. There's a reason he's an All Pro, perennial Pro Bowl player, and you saw it right so, there. So help me with this. Should should I should I think more or less of this comment, given that, that it's coming from Ben Roethlisberger? And let me put this in perspective. Um, last year, Paul helped me out with the, the center. I believe it was the center that he's sitting, the, the, who retired uh, at the end of last season as they lose their, their season. Not Pouncey. Pouncey, yes. Yeah. Uh, and Pouncey's like, tears are flowing as he knows that the, his career is over. And Roethlisberger is there like, you know, misty as well, knowing that the, he's not going to play another game, right? Roethlisberger's coming back for what always felt like one final run at things, given the fact that they won 12 games last year, all that. So I'm setting all this up. That same guy told the media last night that it's not his place to say anything to Chase Claypool. It, that's up to Tomlin. I don't, understand. I don't get that. Like that, that to me, I raise an eyebrow to that because a, a, a Hall of Fame quarterback who's in his final year with the Steelers, everyone knows this when you watch the guy play. And he's in it. And that is a crucial game for them coming off of the win that they had against the Ravens. They need to stack wins. And to pull the comeback the way they did down 29 nothing with a chance to go tie it, I don't know how you're not more fired up to give an answer like, yeah, we can't have that. And th those small things are what are holding the Steelers back. They're allowing Dalvin Cook with a bum shoulder I'm thinking Strong. Dalvin Cook's trying. Think about the message that this sends. Dalvin Cook returned early from a shoulder injury to play the Steelers' defense. This isn't the Lions' defense. He returned early to play the Steelers' defense and then rushed for over 200 yards, the most that we've seen from a running back. You would have never been able to convince me that the Steelers' defense would have done that to a guy with a bum shoulder. Final year, first year, it's absolutely Ben Roethlisberger's place to talk to Claypool about that. It's absolutely the place of any quarterback 
Uh, you know, Jared. He says, Go- it's, he says it's not my job. That Jared, was Go- it's it Jared was- Goff's place to talk to a lion about doing that. Then, if you look at the bigger picture for the Steelers, it's certainly the place of a Steelers quarterback to do it. And I think for Roethlisberger, even in his last year, that, that's kind of like I'm going to leave my mark on this guy for the next guy. Three of his teammates said something to him right when it happened. There were guys in his face trying to get the ball from him when it was going on, and he is mouthing back at the guys that are mad at him right. for getting up to celebrate. I mean, I, I just don't buy that at all, that yeah. it's not my place to say it. And that may not be the it's time ever, to be able to say it. You're honestly, it's not there. a Ben Roth. It's everyone's place to say it. If you are a teammate, I don't care if you're a rookie, it's your place to say something in that moment, to get the ball to the hey, here's ref. Here's an example. And let's keep the thing going. Remember A.J. Brown's rookie season here in Nashville, Lawan was having penalty problems, the left tackle. Who was, a great point. Who was this a, is a great a, recall a here. pro bowler at the time, I think. Yes. And A.J. Brown was coming on in a, in a personnel switch, and A.J. Brown went right up to Taylor Lawan and said something to him. And we asked Lawan about it, and Lawan respected him. He said that, that he should be doing that. That's good move by him. And that scored A.J. Brown, a good leader on this team from the start, the Titans here in Nashville. That scored him points, leadership points. I, and again, I'm not he trying... He went right up to a veteran and told him, you got to settle down, man. I'm not trying to make one comment, you know, a massive issue. But to me, it's all these small issues with Pittsburgh that's holding them back. And the fact that Roethlisberger is saying it's not his job to say something to Chase Claypool, to me, speaks louder than anything he could have said there. Because it, it is on him. It's on his teammates to make sure that doesn't happen again. And in small moments like that, on top of the fact that, you know, posing for a team photo, a defensive photo after a, a turnover, after giving up 29 points, you're down 29 nothing at one point, and the Steelers' defense is posing for a team photo um, after, after a turnover. Uh, they're not good on either line of scrimmage. And Roethlisberger is getting beat up. It's too late now. Oh, I know that. Yeah. But that, the, the answer that Roethlisberger gave to me is a signal that it's way yeah. too late. And, and as they repair things, they've got to look for cultural things that help with that. And one of the interesting things is the name that, that isn't secure. And I don't know why Kevin Colbert doesn't want a long-term deal. He's going year to year there. He's done excellent work. That culture, Tomlin, we talk about Tomlin, 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 and the longevity of the coaching spots in the Rooney family there hasn't always been that that same kind of GM presence but Colbert has been excellent there and if he goes either retires or tries some other waters that's going to hurt them badly he's Uh, excellent Zimmer he was breathing a sigh of relief yeah last night they're still in the thick of it they're not a good team I, I mean the fact that you can't hold on to a blowout there a lot of people will say, well, there's no such thing as a blowout in the league, and you have to expect the other team to counter. Counter some, not counter all the way back to uh, nearly a, you know, one catch and a two-point conversion away from winning or over, overtime. Overtime, yeah. It's too much. Coming too much. up, we take a look at the Week 14 NFL slate. A little bit later this hour, upset picks. Paul's got some props for us and much more. Bobby Carpenter, Brent Hubbs, and Austin Price of AllQuest.com and plenty of headlines along the way on this Friday edition of OutKick 360. You allow a quarterback to fake slide one time, and he ruins it for everyone. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Welcome back to OutKick 360. Kenny Pickett does a fake slide um, this past weekend that worked to perfection. I mean, it was, I would hate it if I'm a defender 
as a quarterback, I would use it more often. I mean, in the NFL, they're going to throw a flag as you dive in the air uh, and you stay inbounds uh, if you contact a player. Um, so Pickett, when he goes pro, he could continue to use this. But I, they, they quickly changed the rule. They adjust the rule. The Kenny Pickett rule is now in effect immediately for the bowl season, for the college football playoff, where quarterbacks cannot fake slot. I actually put this in, in the rundown to make sure that we talked about it. We probably would have gotten to it no matter what. Uh, initially thinking, this is too rash and too harsh and too quick. But then I read a little bit more about it, and I considered it, and I think it's absolutely right. Look, the rule's there to protect the guy. Right. The slide is there to protect the guy. Now, if you're going to fake slide, you're manipulating a rule that's there to protect you, and you're putting the, the defenders in more of a hesitating situation. All right, is he fake sliding or is he real sliding? If he's fake sliding, now my coach is going to chew my ass out if I don't go get him. But uh, is he? I th- thought he was sliding, coach, and I'm not allowed to touch him if he's sliding, and now he's fake sliding, and I've got all this other They're stuff at a tremendous to compute. Disadvantage. I'm already at a disadvantage. Now he's putting him more yeah. of a disadvantage. I'm glad they fixed it the way. I, I think as I think they've they done did. the right. Is thing. it a 15-yard penalty on the quarterback if he does it? Is it a personal foul? I don't or know. Or is he just ruled down? I'm not sure what it is now. It needs to be, and needs I, think to be a gonna, foul. I think they're going to write it into the rule book after this year. It needs to be a personal foul of some kind, and I'll, I'll tell you why. While no, it's well, fun to I don't watch, know if it's a penalty. It's just it's definitely dead ball right where yes. he well, began the slide. So it's, it's the same thing as sliding. It's a penalty to fake a fair catch or call a fair catch and try to run. It's the same concept. It is. The you same can't thing. start to do a fair catch and then change your mind and decide to sneak one in on the, the, the team covering the punt. But that's less deceptive because it. the arm has been in the air and everybody's seen the arm in the air. Well, that's a penalty. Right. I think this – I'm just trying this to equate more, the two. This is, is, this nothing, is more of this an athletic This should be a penalty feat. also. There is nothing listed in, in the release that says anything about the penalty that I can find. See, I it's think the only, I read the only they'll thing make it, it a penalty next year, but okay. right now it's just dead ball so, yeah, as if you slid. Exactly. They, they will rule you down. as They will interpret, you, interpret the quarterback as giving himself up to the defense. So it's the now, same as a slide. It's also non-reviewable. So this is also up to the discretion of – the official that's a mistake probably because it's a deceptive in nature it could easily deceive i don't know it's, person on the field i'd rather have this in place because the defense and you could see it just based on wake forest's reaction to it they are at a clear disadvantage as pickett fakes like he's going to slide down on his hip and then quickly no, I'm runs saying to maybe his right. it should be reviewable oh i know because it could I, I think it should officials. be reviewable because we're putting a lot on officials already and clearly a lot of them can't handle everything that they put on them and if this happens again what are what's our confidence meter on the official seeing it immediately and blowing the plate low but i would also think nobody's going to try this now well can you pick it a minute he's like it hasn't happened this year that we've seen so i mean it's still a pretty rare thing i just think it needs to be it needs to be treated like a fake faking a fair catch it was a smart it's the same concept and now the pickets is close uh quote I just kind of started slowing down and pulling up and getting ready to slide, and I saw their body language, and they pulled up as well. I've never done that before. I just kind of kept going after I initially started to slide, and he got all the way. I mean, he he got another 20 yeah, yards? 20, 30, 40. Yeah. It was, uh, it, again, everyone froze except for Pickett. That puts them in a huge advantage. I'm surprised it's a, no one does. It's a good rule. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it was fun to watch. It was a smart play by him. He got away with it. Great. 
But it's also smart to put that rule in now that we've it's seen. It's not in the spirit of. I mean, it was a. Of he, what they're trying he ended to up do. scoring on the play, and I think he went for an extra 35, well, 40 he, yards. I, I'll say this too. I think he helps his. Uh, he helps his draft stock, uh, showing that sa- that Heady. savviness, but also the athletic ability, because he turned on the Jets and yeah, went did. into a different dimension after he pulled up on the fake slide to run for the touchdown. I think all that helps him. Yeah, but it's the right adjustment because you're asking the defender as the quarterback gives himself up to make the judgment to let up, right? right? And if you fake as though you're going to do that and the defense stalls or you know they're, they're frozen, up. plays dead at that point. So I'm, I'm glad they're putting the memo out to all the play, all, all the, the coaches because we would see this again. Imagine Bryce Young doing this. Well, there's a number of, of quarterbacks that are both savvy enough and athletic enough to pull this off now that they've seen it. I'm honestly surprised the first time we've seen it. Can I tell you guys why I hate this? Go ahead. Yeah, please. Because at that point, that far downfield, he's no more than a running back. Right. So why are we protecting a quarterback who can slide and not a, another player who can go in? Well, because we don't want the quarterback hurt. Yeah, but at any point, if he gives himself game. up, that's it. Yeah, it's, I, 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 I don't like it. But like, you don't like it overall. Can, do you like it in the NFL? I don't like. I don't like it in the NFL at all. Yeah, wow. but that the thing is, if the, I mean, the, you know, the whole basis for it is we don't want quarterbacks hurt because we don't want to watch. We don't want to watch Mike Glennon play. If I always just try to think of it that way, I don't want to see Mike Glennon in a damn game. Well, but if, but if I can slide. see a guy like Kenny Pickett pull that off, I want to see that. As a fan, I want to see that level of athleticism. If he can pull it off, he can pull it off. That's on the defense. Uh, well, in a way, fair. I mean, in in the college. I mean, once they slide, they're down anyway because the knee's touching. I think the, the issue is everyone's a creature of habit, especially when you're an athlete playing a game and your body movements are dictated by things you've done a lot in the past. Yeah. And these defenders, a safety creeping up with a quarterback who gets out of the pocket on a scramble and already picks up the first down, he, they've seen them slide a lot in front of them. They're coming up to lay a hit on someone to Reed's point. If it's a running back, tight end, wide receiver, they're coming up to lay the wood on the guy. Yes. And the guy's not sliding. So, But when they come up and they see the quarterback has it and they're aware he already has the first down, they're, they know he's going to slide. So when you see them start to go down into the baseball slide, you ease up a little bit. That's why it's all disingenuous from Kenny Pickett's standpoint. It was a smart play because it worked. But I understand trying to protect the defender who sees that over and over? It's also the quarterback is taught to protect himself. But this is so to your point, Reed. When they're out, in the, I understand they're not in the pocket. We're not protecting them in the pocket. They're a runner at that point. But quarterbacks are taught to slide to protect themselves in the open field. And the safety is conditioned, and the linebacker to see the quarterback slide. So when they start to slide, I would have made the same mistake yeah. of just stopping my run in. Oh, I don't want to get a penalty here. I don't want to accidentally hit the guy. And yeah, then you let him run right past you. So I think, but I also think there's two. It could be a very slippery slope between now we're officiating this this way. What happens when he's running down the sidelines and it looks like he's going to go out of bounds, but he doesn't go out of bounds. Well, that's already an issue, I'd say. I don't think that's an issue. I think it's a, that's a football play. That's a, that's a heady play. If you look like you're running out of bounds and the, and the defense stops, you yeah, have every right to keep going. I, I think you should I, be I know, able to I'm hit saying, any player when they're in play. I'm saying it's you can often a debatable call. The referees judge right. it too harshly. Right, but I'm saying, it, it, are we going to progress to the point where that's also a dead ball right there because we don't want you to do that anymore well, either because it gives you too much of an advantage? Let me give you let's, the flip side of that. What was the game we just watched 
where the guy jumps in midair and is trying to get the first down. And he's like Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. Allen. So Josh Allen doing that, right? Okay. He's inbound. It's the same thing. This is something we're conditioned to see. A quarterback steps out of bounds. You can't touch him. Don't touch him two yards away from that sideline if they're headed out of bounds. But smart quarterbacks, I've seen Ryan Tannehill do this, where they kind of start to go into a slower gear and then boom. Turn they will tiptoe around the side because they know the guy's not going to hit them. The ball up. This is where quarterbacks are at fault and why I believe you can't – I understand protecting a quarterback to not just lay them out on the sideline, but if a guy's in play, I'm going to shove them out of bounds. I think that should always be allowed. Regardless, if it's a quarterback running, shove them out of bounds, especially if they're reaching out the ball trying to get a first down. Shove them. That I'd should say, never be a penalty. And I'd say there are some defenses I, – I know – old school defensive coach or two who would say if he's toying around with that sideline bury him take yes. the 15 yard penalty send the message you know he won't make do it a, again. make a make yeah and i it, i think there's a time and place to do that you know based Situational. on oh yeah you uh, can't give up the yardage for a field goal and there's all there's always a player that'll do it in the wrong situation yes <laughs> so it's we know t- that we've you have to pick and guys. choose which players you're willing to tell that to right Need Rodney Harrison back in the league. He definitely would have done it the wrong the wrong spot. I would have taken a picture. We would have had a stare down. No. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, sad news last night with the passing of Demarius Thomas. That's 33 years old. Um, who will forever be just... Uh, we will always remember the overtime Tebow to Thomas touchdown against the Steelers. Um, and that's just one of those tweets as you're scrolling through Twitter last night and you see the initial reports. Benjamin Albright and others are, are putting this out there and you just you read it not twice, but like three or four times because it doesn't compute. Um, you're, you're like, oh, Demarius Thomas family member passed away. No, Thomas died last night, uh, uh, found in his home due to a medical issue. Um, yeah, just just sad. And, and the stories and the outpouring of uh, comments and the one that, resonated with me two of them uh tebow was really good for uh, just coincidence he was scheduled on espn this morning and he was really good in talking about him that they want an espy for that play and tebow he recalled like walking up to accept the award with demarius thomas and like he knew that thomas did not want to speak but they had not pre-planned anything prior to winning so on the walk up tebow was like okay uh, you go first and say your piece, and you know uh, I, I look forward to just following whatever speech you're about to give. And like it freaked him out, Demarius, to the point where he was like, "I'm not saying a word. You you take the mic. I'm going to stand behind you, and that's it." Uh, the other one was Peyton Manning. Yeah, his was good. Peyton Manning was great, and uh, it, it reminded me of the story of of his mother, the Demarius Thomas's mother, who was um, in prison due to drug issues. His mother and grandmother. We're in and, the same prison. And Barack Obama commuted her sentence in 2015. And in 2016, she went to watch Demarius Thomas play for the first time ever. He was playing in front of his mom in, in, in person. And post-game, um, Peyton Manning gave the game ball to him on the field to take to his mom in the crowd. That was cool. And he also hand-delivered a thank-you note to Barack Obama when the Broncos visited the White House for letting his mom out of prison so she could see him win a Super Bowl, uh, which was pretty cool. There's there so many great stories. And I love what Peyton said through the Broncos. Uh, he said DT was a better person than he was a player, and he's a Hall of Fame player. That tells you how good of a person he was. He treated my kids like they were his own. 
He was there for every teammate's charity event. Uh, this kind of breaks your heart, too, because whenever something like this happens, unexpected, he's 33 years old, which also shocked me that he's still that young. Do you remember your last exchange with him? And Peyton said, I texted with DT on Tuesday. He was talking about a touchdown audible we called versus Arizona in 2014. Absolutely devastated. Yeah. Is, is what Peyton said after that. Lindsey Jones was great at The Athletic writing about uh, Demarius Thomas, told a great story about an assistant coach who had a four-year-old son around practice, and it was, DT was everyone's favorite player. All the coaches' kids and players' kids invited Demarius Thomas to his birthday party, and the coach said, don't worry about going to the birthday party. You know, don't, don't worry about him inviting you. Showed up to the birthday party, stayed the entire time. Marshall awesome. Manning, Peyton's son, it was his favorite player. He was heartbroken and crying when the Broncos traded him to the Texans. Texans play the Broncos three days later, and Lindsey Jones talks about my, the most memorable thing from that game was DT holding and consoling Marshall Manning in the tunnel before the game because his favorite player wasn't with the Broncos anymore. Very cool stories that you hear about someone that otherwise I probably wouldn't have known Don't about Demarius Thomas. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, I like when there are video snippets in a situation like this that can leave you smiling. And so I saw one that was from – you know, a random TV crew, I think, in Denver that showed him at one of these, uh, like a recess situation, maybe with some other newscasters involved, where he was playing a game where you just had to kind of jump through like a hopscotchy thing and touch your ball to the other person's ball to release them and go through whatever. I didn't even, you know, get the game, but he was having a blast and the kids were having a blast. And it was laughs and smiles. And I kind of was doing what everybody was doing, going through a lot of tweets about it and everything. And then when I saw that one with him laughing and with him making so many other people laugh and smile and giggle, I, I was like, that's a perfect thing to end on. That leaves well, me with the, the indelible image that I'll carry. And so I'm seeing that right now, and that's where I shut it down. Very, very cool. It, look, in his prime, he, he, was he, was, he was great. It's during the six seasons, uh, 2012 to 2017, he ranked second in receptions, third in receiving yards, and fourth in receiving touchdowns. In that 2013 history-making season for the Broncos offense, where they averaged 38 points per game, he was Peyton's favorite target. 92 catches, 1,430 yards, and 14 touchdowns that season for Demarius Thomas. Well, and during that stretch, he started every game. That five- or six-year stretch that you're referring to, he did not miss a single game and he had 51 or 52 touchdowns over six years. You forget just how great he was for a six-year span of being that good. Yeah. It's a long time in the NFL at any position. So that's a nice window of time for Demarius Thomas from 2012 to 2017 where he was the second best, probably the second best receiver in the NFL. And, you know, his, his mother was uh, incarcerated when he was 11. His father was in the military. And, you know, the stories of, of him going to work for nearby farmers at 11 or 12 years old prior to school, before school would start, he would go, you know, help in whatever he could, you know, picking corn or uh, peas or whatever they were doing on the farm just to make ends meet. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing story uh, just for what was, uh, by all accounts, an all-around great dude. Uh, and gone too soon at the age of 33, apparently of a seizure in a shower, according to his family. And that's in the he New York had Post. some recent seizure history. Over the, la- over the last year or something. Yeah, and had, a, uh, according to his cousin, uh, suffered a seizure in the shower, is what they're expecting uh, the cause of death to be. Just, 
Just, just really bad. Awful. Coming up, uh, we take a look at NFL Week 14. We will give you our upset picks of the weekend. Two for two last week. Time to make some money again. Some underdogs that will win outright. Paul's got some props for you as well. And we will preview what is a solid slate of games across the National Football League. That's next on OutKick 360. Bobby Carpenter will join us at 3.20 Central Time. He's with OutKick.com, college football analyst. We'll get into some of the coaching movement, discuss some of the college football playoff, and we will also uh, dive in to the uh, discussion of uh, Army-Navy. Bobby's going to have to give us some uh, workout tips at some point, too. I see him <laughs> posting Instagram videos Maybe of so. his workouts all the time. Maybe so. We've he's got, one of those like world strongest men type workout routine. He's got like you know milk jugs that he's doing <laughs> stuff with, and all this other stuff. Pinky push-ups. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, I'm not a big workout video guy. Uh, but if you're gonna post a workout video, just you doing bench press isn't impressive ever. Like it's just plates on the side. Like you see a lot of plates. But if you're gonna really up the ante and you know move a boulder or something or do some crazy things where your arm, your hands are on the ground, your feet are up in the air. The keg carry, so many different creative things you can do to really pull me in. And I got to be honest, Bobby's been pulling me in a little bit with his workout wow. videos. So I, I need more content. I'm proud to say Bobby. I haven't First seen a single one. I need more content. Proud to say I have not seen a single workout video from Bobby Carpenter. First he I'll tried show, to I'll steal show you some stuff during the break. No, not interested. <laughs> First he tried to steal Chad's job, and now Chad's watching him with his shirt off. <laughs> yeah. His shirt's on. He keeps his shirt yeah, on. It's a family. Like, likely story. The pants are optional. It's a, it's a family the Instagram thing. Yeah, no yeah. pants, but definitely shirt stays on. Uh, Reed knows a thing I mean, it was about workout day. videos. Hey, he, Reed is a former uh, bodybuilder, although I don't know. Once you're a bodybuilder, aren't you always a like bodybuilder, David Reed? Yeah. Well, that's what I used to tell the girls in the bars. <laughs> <laughs> Once you start bodybuilding, you never yeah, really you never stop. really stop. That's right. Yeah. Uh, two for two last week on unlike, the NFL upsets. Peloton. It is time <laughs> to go back to the well. Week 14 is here. Uh, FanDuel.com slash OK360 is the website. You can go and sign up if you've never signed up before. You can have up to a $1,000 risk-free bet. What does risk-free mean? If you lose, you're going to get the money back in site credit to use and bet again. That's up to a $1,000 risk-free bet. You just opt in. It's got to be your first bet. And then opt in to that offer, FanDuel.com slash OK360. Here are some outright winners for some NFL underdogs that I have for this week. I'm going back to the well, and I'm taking Washington over Dallas. And, and here's why. Taylor Heineke has this quiet confidence and swagger about him right now where they are moving the football. They're not scoring a ton of points, but they're moving the football when it matters, and their defense is playing at a very high level. Here's something else I'm willing to bet on. Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera throughout his career as a head coach, normally his teams, Ron Rivera coach teams, start to play their best towards the end of the season. Not always great teams. But they win towards the end of the season and down the stretch. I'm betting Washington over Dallas. The quiet Mike McCarthy, who normally says nothing, is guaranteeing a win as the team goes to Washington. Washington's right in the thick of it. They finished all five games down the stretch against divisional opponents. I'm just going to ride the hot play and the four-game winning streak of Washington against Dallas that I think, based on their, their coaching comments there, looking for a reason to get mentally hyped up for this. Don't know why. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott hasn't been running the ball well at all 
Uh, over Pollard, the baby. over the last four of uh, the the last four games are four of the worst eight uh, eight worst games of his career. Forty one yards, thirty two yards, twenty five yards, forty five yards. I'm taking Washington outright as the winner. They're the home dog by four and a half points right now. Uh, and then Baltimore over Cleveland. Cleveland's coming off the bye, and I get it. Over the last three weeks, Baltimore is averaging like four and a half yards per play. That's got to stop with Lamar Jackson at some point, right? Baltimore, to me, I have a confidence in Baltimore the same way I had a confidence in Pittsburgh last week. I think the mindset and the mentality, you're telling me that Harbaugh's team is going to go to Cleveland and lay another egg after getting uh, down to the wire against Pittsburgh and not being able to complete that pass due to the great pressure from T.J. Watt and altering that pass from Lamar Jackson. I get it. They don't have much of a secondary. I don't think Baker Mayfield can throw it right now with his uh, shaky shoulder and everything else that's going on. They want to run the football. Baltimore can stop the run. I think this is going to be an outstanding game, but I'm taking Baltimore because Baltimore is just the overall better team, even with the injuries. I'm taking Baltimore outright, Washington at home outright. Those are my two underdog picks for week 14. I'm surprised that the Ravens are dogs in this game, that that the Browns are favorites. Three and a half I'm showing here on, on FanDuel. I'm taking Balty. I, I think that's, Balty. I, I think Balty. that's a good bet after after the Ravens coming, the Ravens coming off a loss. Ready for some props? Yes. I've got three here that I really like after doing my uh, I need winners, Paul. I'm, all of these I'm betting all these, but all I'm doing it right now. At FanDuel.com slash OK360. All right, let's put them I'm up not there. sitting here texting. I'm, I'm playing these games that you guys are throwing out there. You can text and play these games. You're, you're talented. Lowest scoring team on Sunday going to be the Lions. The Lions are averaging 17 points a game. Denver is allowing 18.1 points a game. Denver's not going to come close to that 17 number this week. Coming off their win, they're, they're not mentally strong or anything like that. They've celebrated, and they're going to fall way back to earth. Plus 1,000 here to be the lowest scoring team of the week. Bet a dollar, win 10. Most passing yards, Justin Herbert just threw for 338 and 337 in the last two weeks, plus 800 here. I like him. And Alvin Kamara has been off for four weeks with a knee injury. The Saints desperate for an offensive weapon. I think he's going to get a ton of carries. The Jets are 27th in run defense. Plus a thousand for most rushing yards on Sunday. These are all Sunday only bets, right? And I, uh, I, I like him coming off of uh, provided his knees good. It's about I time he's back. They're they, desperate for his play. They've been without him. I think he they gets five a and two lot, at one point. A lot of touches because their quarterback situation. Ellie Sylvia Saints were five and two at one point. You've got five a, and seven uh, now. You've got a splinted up quarterback. Uh, who's not really a quarterback or a terrible quarterback who's not really a quarterback. Uh, I think you're giving the ball to Alvin as you much guys, as humanly uh, possible. I nearly picked a third upset. Paul's going to disagree with this. I, and I didn't go with it. I would pick them to cover, though. Detroit. Detroit, well, after that win. What's the spread? Uh, it was like seven or eight points, I believe. That would have been I, a good – that would have been a big – I don't uh, think a straight upset probably, what, I could see Plus 275 at least. On that, if you went Detroit straight up? I could see them stacking a win on top of what they did last week against Denver. Denver's offense isn't moving the football. So uh, again, I don't I'm, think the Lions are going to have an easy time moving the football not, <laughs> against Denver. Uh, they're, they're not, but I'm just saying that a low-scoring game 
Uh, that that fits an ankle biting mentality. <laughs> <laughs> he said kneecap biting. No, I mean, that's, that's right. You're right. High. You're right. Kneecap biting. My bad. My bad. Well, I don't think he discriminates though. I mean, if you can get <laughs> if, if, you can, if you can get your he's teeth into a joint, sunk into an ankle, he's going to take that too. Knee, yeah. ankle, elbow, whatever. Eventually, they're going to need to get to the hip. Yes, that's <laughs> and, the next and step. Maybe even uh, rib. They'll make their way up. McRib. Let's go rapid fire when we return on some of these NFL games like for speed. Sunday and just discuss who we like and why and what's a pivotal matchup. Five weeks left in the NFL season, some positioning going on, especially in the AFC, but don't sleep on the NFC either. The Vikings winning, they are still in the thick of it, believe it or not. Everybody's crazy in. crazy to think. Lions yeah, everyone's in. in. Lions are in. Everybody but Houston. Everybody's in. We, we preview many of these games next, uh, including what the Chiefs are doing and Bills and Bucks. Why didn't Paul go with that game for the highest scoring game? Yeah, Paul. Well, Let's pick a game. Next, I'll kick 360.